we're going to be speaking about my, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, right? And if you've been journeying with us, we've been doing the book of Daniel. We'll be going chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, and guess what chapter we're on today? Chapter 7. Chapter 7. It's been the Mammoth um, series, and, and I'm excited about chat, uh, chapter 7. It's one of my favorites. It's, uh, and it's, you know what? It's also one of Jesus' favorite uh, passages as well. And as we get into this, praise God. Have you ever noticed that no one taught us to, 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 to be mean to someone? Have you ever noticed that? We, we never got taught to be mean to someone. Right? You just look at the kids, and, and, and especially when they've got siblings. When you look at your, if you've got young children and, you've got, and there's two of them or one of them, you know, it's like, I never taught them to be like this. And we kind of naturally, we're just, it's almost like it's, we're inherently beastly, right? We can be like that. We can become real beasts to one another. We can act really beastly to one another. No one t- I remember when I was three years, well, maybe three and a half years old. And you think, what, you remember when you were three and a half? Yes, I do remember when I was three and a half. When I was three and a half, I thought it would be a good idea for me to put needles in the lounge carpet on the entranceway. Put needles on the carpet. My sister was in the lounge, right? She's in the lounge. I thought it would be really funny for her to, and she runs out, she's going to stand out. It would be so funny. So I put these needles in in the carpet, and then I ran into my room, and I was giggling to myself with my evil plant. You know, as you do, you know, giggling, giggling away. And then my sister calls out to me from the lounge and she says to me, Anthony. That's right. She calls me Anthony. She still calls, I was with her yesterday talking about um, growing up and, and our days and she's still calling me Anthony, which is kind of feel a bit weird from time to time. And she goes, Anthony, Anthony, play school's on. Who remembers play school? Like, it was my absolute favorite program. You had Big Ted, you had Manu, you had Humpty, you had all, the, all those toys in there, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, Little Ted, and I'm, I'm, I'm Jemima, <laughs> and I'm, I'm all hiding in my room, and she calls up play school, and I went, play school, and I ran into the lounge, and I learned a very painful lesson that day. That's why I remember this as a three-and-a-half-year-old. I remember because it's been said by pain in my, in my memory, right? And it's really interesting. And, and, you know, no one taught me to do this. I just did it. I just thought if I hurt her, it would be a bit of fun. I learned, actually, when you hurt people, it's not fun. I learned the hard way. But here's the thing. I've done a lot of horrible things to people throughout my years. And if, if you're honest with yourself, you've done a lot of horrible things to people as well. If you're honest with yourself, we, we do horrible things to people. And there's some things that, that haunt us to this day, the things that we have done to people. People that we, not, not just to somebody, you know, it's easy to hurt someone that you don't like. But to hurt someone that you love, it's still weak. Some of us still carry that. And, and for some, if some of you are watching this, it's something you need to lay down at the cross. You need to lay this down because it's still eating away inside of you, and you can be free. You don't have to carry this anymore. But here we are. We, we, we've been celebrating Christmas. This is the year of giving and festivities. You turn on the news, and straight away, you know, I'm this, this, this young 23-year-old just been murdered up in Auckland, and I don't think it's, it's the festive season. And, and, and we can be so beastly, act so beastly towards one another. If you're looking for the title of my message this morning, it's Overcoming the Beast. Overcoming the beast. 
Have you ever been accused of doing something? Have you ever been accused unjustly? Right? Oh, you've been accused. Oh, well, I never did that, but you've been accused. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever had anything stolen from you? Have you ever had your house broken into? Right? You feel violated. Right? Have you ever been mistreated in a relationship before? Have you ever been abused? I once had a, a co-worker who was an atheist, and he believed the problem with the world was people. And what he meant is that people act like beasts. And if you're familiar with the um, Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Avengers movies, if you're familiar with this, one of the, uh, one of the, um, the villains of the series is, is a character by the name of Thanos. And Thanos, had, he, he thought in order to save the universe is to wipe out from existence half the population with a click. Right, if you're familiar, for click. And this, this is what, and, and he uses that famous line, I am Thanos, right? And he's just, and he with a click. Is that, is that the answer to our problem? Is to get rid of people? Is, is this what, what the answers are? But let me tell you something. Giving up on people is not the answer. Giving up on people is not, maybe you've given up on people because, because you trusted them, Right? And they violated your trust. You've given up on people. Giving up on people is not the answer. Do you know why? Because God has not given up on you. Even when you're abusing his name, even when you're spitting in his face, Jesus still died for you. He never gave up on you. That's why Jesus came. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. As long as there's breath in your lungs, there's hope. Come on, everyone take a breath. Every time you breathe, there's hope. You may feel there's no more hope. As long as there's breath, don't cough. Maybe if, if, you, if you're coughing because you breathe, maybe you need to give up something. But, <laughs> but every time you breathe, let that be a reminder there's hope. All the enemy wants to do is rob you of your hope and isolate you. This is what depression does. It wants to rob you of your hope and isolate you. Get away from everybody. Come on, getting rid of people is not the answer. It's never the answer. And this is what the book of Daniel is all about. It's a book of hope. It gave hope to people who find themselves in exile, find themselves in communities or, um, and societies that push constantly against them. Have you ever felt that weight of compromise and you feel like you have to compromise everything you believe in? And this is, what, this is why the book of Daniel has given us so much hope. It's about how do you, how do you stand firm and love well in a world of compromise? And this is what the book of Daniel is all about. And today we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 7. It's the, it's the central point of the whole book. The whole book of Daniel flows out of chapter 7. We've gone through from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 7, but actually this is the point. This is the most important book of the, of, of the book of Daniel. And we, you can even argue that chapter 7 is a summary of the whole Bible. You read chapter 7, it's a summary of the whole Bible. So you ready to get into chapter 7? Right? And so remember, let's set the scene. This is, this is 600 years before the birth of Christ. And Daniel and his friends and, uh, find themselves in captivity. The southern kingdom, Judah, right? They get taken into captivity, into exile by the Babylonians. And here we are. And this is where we are in the book. Daniel chapter 7. Let's read together. Verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. And visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed, he wrote down the substance of his dream. 
Up until this point, it's the kings of Babylon having dreams. Now we have Daniel having a dream. Verse 2. Daniel said, In my vision, at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven tuning up the great sea. And this hyperlinks our thinking to Genesis chapter 1, creation, the chaotic waters, right? And God calls out of the chaotic waters land, and then then he's got creation, and the trees, and the the beasts of the land, the birds of the air, everything that swarms, and, and all that humanity. This is this picture, right? But what do we read instead? Four great beasts, each different from each other, came out of the sea. It's this anti-creation. The first was like a lion. When we read that, we straight away we think, wait a minute, what do we read in chapter 6? Daniel was cast into a den of lions. And it had wings of an eagle. And then you think, wait a minute, where do we read someone who was described in the book of Daniel like an eagle? And, oh, that's right, it was Nebuchadnezzar, Right? And Nebuchadnezzar, he grew, grew fur like an eagle, and, his, and he had claws like an eagle. And, um, and, and so this is what we read, and we're, we're having this in our mind. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted up from the ground, so it stood on its two feet like a human being. And the mind of a human was given to it. And straight away we're thinking, wait, well, this is chapter 4 of the book of Daniel. What, what, do we write, what, do we, what do we read about Nebuchadnezzar? Because of his pride. Right? The heart of a beast was given to him. Until, until he realized, actually, no, God, you're the one, not me. It's about you. Until he submits and he worships God. And then what happens? He stands right up and a heart of, of a human was given to him. So this here, this first beast that Daniel is seeing is Nebuchadnezzar. But it's also hyperlinking us back to chapter 2, this dream. This dream sequence that Nebuchadnezzar had about, about this statue, this image, right? The Salem, this, this, this image, and, and it represented, it was made of four metals, right? We, we had gold, we had silver, we had bronze, we had iron, iron mixed with, with clay. And it represented all the kingdoms of the world that, that, that are going to follow Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the, the head of gold, right? Remember the head of gold? He was the head of gold. He, and this is the first beast that's representing Nebuchadnezzar. So this is a dream. These beasts represent the kingdoms of the world, the kingdoms that are coming and, and they're devouring one another, devouring, devour, devouring humanity. Let's go to verse 5. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. Right? And he had this mutant-looking bear. After that, I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. And on its back had four wings, like those of a bird. The beast had four heads. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What kind of dream are you having, Daniel? <laughs> and it was given authority to rule. Right now, we've got this mutant leopard. Then after that, in my vision... At night I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. I mean, this beast, all the other had a mutant-looking lion, mutant-looking bear, mutant-looking leopard. Now you've got this beast. There's no categories. There's no categories. It's like it's a super beast. There's no categories for this beast. It is so terrifying. So terrifying and, and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth, and it crushed, and it devoured its victims, and it trampled underfoot, whatever was left. And, and, and so Daniel's seeing what's really going on. It's this revelation. It's, 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 he's having this uh, apocalyptic view, and it's being revealed, unveiled, and, and he's beginning to see what's really going on in the spiritual realm around us, so as if the curtain's been, been opened, and he sees 
the spiritual realm, what's really going on. And, and, and he's just seeing empires coming and they're just slaughtering each other. Slaughtering each other. But, there's, but then there's this one big super empire, this crazy beast. Then he looks up and he sees heaven, right? And, and the heavenly throne. And he sees the heavenly throne room there, right? And, and the thrones are set up. All these thrones. You see all these thrones. And let's, let's continue reading. As I looked, thrones were set in place in the ancient of days, right? God, Yahweh, ancient of days, took a seat. So there's this divine council. He's taking a seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The, the hair of his head was like wool. The, thr- the throne was, a f- was flaming with fire, and its wheels were ablaze. Oh, where have we, have we read that? Oh, the book of Ezekiel, right? The book of Ezekiel. This is hyperlinking, hyperlinking to Ezekiel, verse 10. A river of fire was flowing, coming out before him. Right? And when we read Genesis, what, what's coming out of Eden? It's a river. But now we've got a river of fire coming out, and it's coming out to consume the evil of earth. The fire's coming out to consume the evils of earth, right? And this, and this is what Revelations, John the Revelator, who wrote the book of Revelations, this is what he's hyperlinking to, right? Because if there's a river of fire, there's got to be a lake of fire, right? And it's, what's the purpose of this? Is to, is to consume the evil of the world, right? And this is this, is, this, is this vision. This is, what, this is what, what it's seeing. And millions of angels ministered to him. Million, um, millions and many millions stood to attend him. Then the court began its session and the books were open. And, and so, he's, so you can just imagine this God, the God of gods, right? The Elohim of Elohims and, 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 and this divine throne room and they're taking their seats. And this throne room is meeting earth and is bringing justice on this horrific, violent history of humanity. Here's the thing, when humanity acts on their own apart from God, think about your greatest regret. When you act apart from God, we can become so beastly to one another. Think about the people we have hurt. Think of the people that you've, I think of the people I've hurt and how I've become so beastly towards them. And I've noticed that when I become so beastly towards them is when I'm far apart from God. Even when I can be in my ivory tower thinking I've got it all sorted, then just by driving home from church, I can be so beastly on the road. What happened there? I've just clicked back into something. When humanity acts on its own, their own, apart from God, and we begin to redefine the knowledge of what's good and evil in our own eyes, and we begin to worship ourselves instead of worshiping God, we become beasts. Humanity begins to turn evil, right? Just look at the 20th century. If you are over the age of 21, then you have been born in the bloodiest century of all time. More people have died in the 20th century than all the centuries put together. 120 million people have been killed at the hands of another person. 120 million people. When we act apart from God, when we redefine what is good and evil in our own eyes, we become like beasts. We become like beasts. You're thinking, Daniel's having, oh my God, what kind of dream are you having, Daniel? Have you ever had a bad dream? This is a nightmare. This is a nightmare. Verse 13. And in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man. And you're thinking, where have I heard son of man before? Where have I heard that title? Where have I heard that used as a title? 
somewhere. Oh, that's right, Jesus. You know what's really interesting is that when you read the narratives, the gospel narratives, you know, people calling him Messiah, the Son of God, the, the title that Jesus refers to him the most, almost like 99.9%, is the Son of Man. Son of Man. He's taking it right out of, he's referring way back to Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. The Son of Man. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, a human, a human one, someone that's human, coming with the clouds of heaven, the clouds of heaven. And, and, and I tell you what, this is what I love about our church. I, you know, one of the things I want you to do is, is keep reading when you read Scripture. Everything is a hyperlink. Everything's connected. The, the, the Bible is a unified story from start to finish, is unified. And, and as we read, keep these things in your mind. And when you think of a cloud rider, and in the Bible, when we begin to read the Old Testament, the only person described as a cloud rider is Yahweh. It describes, it describes his authority over creation. But all of a sudden, it's not Yahweh riding a cloud, but it's this human being, this human person riding, riding the clouds. It's the symbol of divinity. All of a sudden, this human being is like a Yahweh figure. You've got Yahweh transcendent spirit, and now you've got like this human being, this Yahweh in the flesh, riding a cloud, a cloud rider. And look what he does. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. And you read, and you, and you start thinking, what's going on here? What's happening? What's happening? What am I reading here? There's a human being who's been exalted. He's given the identity of Yahweh. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. It's the fulfillment of, of Daniel chapter 2, the rock that was cut out, not by human means. It was, just, it was cut and flies and it destroys the kingdoms of the world and grows up to be this mountain, right? This kingdom, the kingdom of God. This this is the fulfillment of this, but it's in a human being. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Right? Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall never overcome it. The gates of death, death cannot overcome it, for I've taken the keys of death. And I'm hyperlinking a whole bunch of verses right there. <laughs> so now all of a sudden, we're worshiping a human. Now, this passage this passage for the ancient Jews is, is this is where the Trinity comes from. The Trinity wasn't something that was made up by Christians years after the fact. It comes straight out of the Old Testament. And, and, and it's where this, this chapter was very important to the ancient um, Israelites who looked at a second Yahweh figure. There was, there was Yahweh transcendent in everywhere, and there was Yahweh as a person, as a man, the angel of the Lord. And we see all these hyperlinks all over the place. And here we have it. This was very important to the ancient Jews as they read this. Yahweh as a person. So now all of a sudden we're worshipping a human. But what we're going to see in this vision is that this human that had been trampled by the super beast, God's elevating this human from suffering and he shares in his divine rule and his worship is part of God's own identity. Verse 15, I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit and the vision that passed through my mind disturbed me. <laughs> right? Because he's thinking, what, what am I seeing here? It's a second Yahweh figure. What's the Shema? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Worship the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. Right? Isn't that the Shema? Isn't that what I've been praying three times a day? Is it, what are we reading here? There's a second Yahweh figure 
right? So for the first time in the book, Daniel can't make sense of this dream. When he's the one that interprets the dream, now we can't make sense of this dream. But this, this dream is, is a picture of the cycle of the human condition. When we allow the beast to subdue us, we, we define what is good and evil in our own eyes by not trusting God, and we become just like the beast. And, and we got stories after stories. And you know, one of the biggest reasons, one of the things that blocked me from coming to God was I didn't think I was good enough. The reason why I didn't think I was good enough is because of the things that I've done, right? And, and also when I came back to God, it's because I just think I was good enough because of all the things I've done, but God's not done with you yet. And maybe you walked away from your faith, but maybe you walked away from God. Maybe, I don't know what it is for you, but you just feel that God can't use you because you're not good enough. Let me tell you something. God loves you. He's not done with you yet. You may have given up on yourself, but God has not given up on you. And so now we find Daniel, he's sitting in the belly of the beast. He's been thrown into the pit of beast, and he's, uh, and he's, and he's under this kingdom ruled by a human beast. And, but then he has this dream that one day, that one day, the beast is going to be destroyed. And humanity will truly become what it's meant to be. That one day, the son of man figure. Who is the son of man figure? One day that the beast is going to be destroyed and humanity will finally going to be, be what we're supposed to be in the Garden of Eden, right? The, the, the Eden ideal. So who is that? Who does this dream refer to? It's who, it, it's who we celebrate at Christmas. It's why the angel said, joy to the world. If you know me, you know that I'm a sci-fi freak. I love sci-fi. Doctor Who, <laughs> Star Trek, Star Wars, you name it, comic books. Uh, I used to read comic books religiously. And I remember someone in my younger days, someone said to me, wow, just imagine if you, knew, if you knew your Bible just like you knew the comics. And that challenged me. And I put down my comic book and I started reading the Bible. But if I, if I did this to you, if I did this, and I said... If I did this straight away, you're thinking, why is Ant standing up there spreading his fingers like this? What, is it, what does that mean? You, straight away, some of you know what I'm, what, I, what I'm referring to. Now, if I say the words, live long and prosper, what am I referring to? Star Wars? Doctor No, you'll be thinking, oh, that's Star Trek. That's a Star Trek reference. In fact, your mind, just by doing this alone, for some of you who are also a Star Trek freak, straight away, your mind goes to exactly the person that's a sign you start thinking of Spock and Captain Kirk and the Starship Enterprise and Star Trek. And you think, oh, that's... Your, and, and just by doing this symbol, you knew straight away what I meant by doing this. Even, and, and you can see the scene. You can see Spock wearing his blue shirt with this weird Beatles haircut and his pointy ears. Live long and prosper. Right? You see that straight away. Now, what's really interesting, that's exactly what Jesus was doing when he calls himself the Son of Man. When he calls himself the Son of Man, straight away people are thinking, live long and prosper. Their, their mind goes straight to this book, the book of Daniel, which is, the book of Daniel was so important to uh, the Jews in the, uh, during the Second Temple time. In fact, right through, through the millennia, it's been so important to us because it's a book of hope. How do we, how do, how do we, stand, how do we stand well right, and love well in, in a world of compromise? And this is what the book of Daniel is all about. And, 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 and so... By him calling himself the Son of Man, people straight away think of Daniel. 
right? And this leads to a confrontation with the, with the uh, Jewish authorities, right? The, the, especially the high priest. And so here we have Jesus. He's arrested and he's brought before the Sanhedrin. He's, and he's just about to be crucified. And he's having, he's been, he's been, he's on a, he's, it's a kangaroo court, right? It's an illegal court. It's a kangaroo court. It's, just, it's one put together really quickly at nighttime. And he's on trial. And this is where Matthew picks up the story. Matthew chapter 6, verse 62. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Right? And we read this in today's context and we think, Oh, yeah, that's a divine claim. This is divine, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ, the, the, the Anointed One. This is a divine claim. But this is not what they were thinking. Because, believe it or not, Messiah and even the Son of God is, is not often a divine claim. In fact, the high priest was known as a Messiah. The, the, the divinic line was known as the Messiah, the Anointed Ones. Right? They're, they're also known. So Caiaphas, the high priest, he's thinking in terms of a human leader. He's saying, are you, calling, are you saying that you are the true leader of Israel? Is that what you're saying? This is when he says to him, are you, are you the Messiah, the Son of God? He's saying, are you saying that you're the true leader of Israel? Is that what you're saying? Are you here to, to lead a rebellion? Is this what you're saying? Are you the true leader? And how does Jesus respond? You have said so. <laughs> so Jesus, such a Jesus comment. You have said so. Then Jesus replied, but I say to all of you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand. You're thinking, for those there, think of Psalms chapter 110. You see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One, coming with the clouds of heaven. Live long and prosper. This is what Jesus is doing. You know what? Ironically, in the Gospels, for Jesus to say that He is he is the Son of Man is actually more scandalous. It's a scandalous claim. For him to say that, that he is the Son of Man, it's a more scandalous claim to say that he is the Son of God. Right? Because what is Jesus saying? He's saying that I'm, I, I am the fulfillment of Psalms 110 verse 1. I am the fulfillment of Daniel chapter 7 verse 13. That is who I am. You want to know who I am? That's who I am. I am the second Yahweh figure. I am, the, I am the Yahweh figure that is described in the Bible. I was the one who was in the fire, in the burning bush, who, who, who spoke before, before Moses. I was in the fire. I was the angelic being. I was, I was in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I was with Daniel when I shut the lion's mouth. You want to know who I am? I am the Son of Man, and I'm coming on the cloud of heaven. Verse 64. Oh, verse 65, then the high priest tore his, tore his clothes and said, he has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witness? He's claiming to be Yahweh. He's saying that he is Yahweh. Look now, you have heard the blasphemy. That is what it took to get Jesus crucified. Jesus is saying, I am fulfilling Daniel chapter 7 right before your eyes. See, the, and, you know what Jesus was saying? He's saying, you Caiaphas, you are that beast. And you are trampling on the Son of Man. And you know, we look at these beasts in the book of Daniel, and we think of these great empires coming. But you know what? It's, a, it's pointing right at you. We become like those beasts. 
we can become the super beast. And we can trample on the things of God. And we look at Caiaphas and go, you idiot, you should have known, don't you read your Bible? These guys are Bible nerds. They know their Bibles. But we can be so wound up in our knowledge that we can begin to trample on the Son of Man and we don't even realize it. Because it's not about me, it's about loving God and loving people. And the moment they condemned Jesus to death was the moment that he became king of the universe. And Jesus said, you know, when you, crucify, when you put me to death, that's the moment I'm ascending on the cloud. That's the moment I'm ascending. The gospel authors want us to see that Jesus' crucifixion is, the, is depicted as his enthronement as the king. He receives a crown, a crown of thorns. And he's lifted up and exalted not onto a throne, but onto the cross. See, this, the cross is not just a symbol of your sins being forgiven. But it's an invitation for you to step into a new way of living, a new humanity. You have the power to overcome the beast. How did Jesus overcome the beast? By loving and forgiving those who persecuted him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And we think he's speaking to those. He's speaking to us. Because the Bible tells us it was our sins that put him there. Jesus disarmed the beast by raising back to life. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Genesis chapter 6, verse 4, chapter 4, verse 16. Let's just jump there really quickly. Seems really random. I'm throwing it in. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do what is not right, sin, sin is crouching. Crouching at your door, and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So this is a word to you. It's a word to me. Whenever I find myself in a situation that I know I shouldn't be, and the Spirit was whispering, and I see this as a personal whisper to me, and if you're honest, you, you hear this whisper too. Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you want to do what is right, will you not be accepted? Come on, God accepts you. He'll accept you. Come on, you can do this. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching like a beast. And this beast wants to devour you. But you must rule over it. You have authority to rule over it. Sin is like a dangerous beast crouching to desire you. It wants to have your marriage. It wants to have your dreams. It wants to devour your ministry. It wants to devour your dignity. It wants to devour your hope. Have you been there before? Have you had that devoured before you? Come on. Let's not, we, we think we've got it all, all set, but come on, let's be honest. But the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives inside of you. Come on, the devil's a liar anyway. We overcome the beast by love by loving our enemies and forgiving those who have offended us. 
by meeting the needs of those in our community, by being part of God's kingdom right here on earth and stepping into our purpose, by stepping into the true humanity that God has called us to step into. There is no love without forgiveness. Some of you need to forgive yourself. And there is no forgiveness without love. Now, we have celebrated Christmas and we're about to step into a new year. But let 2022, 2022, you get used to that words now, 2022. Let 2022 be a year of loving God more. Wouldn't that be awesome? Can I love Jesus more? I love Jesus right now, but can I love him more? Imagine if you prayed that every day. Jesus, can I love you more? Come on, you want to keep your, your relationship fresh? May I love people more? Can I love my wife more? I love my wife now, but can I love her more? Imagine praying that daily. Can I love my children more? Whatever it is for you, can I, can I love my friends more? But better yet, can I love those who hurt me more? And this is what God calls us to step in. This is what the new humanity looks like. It's about loving God more, loving people more. How do we overcome the beast? By loving and forgiving those around us. There is no love without forgiveness, and there is no forgiveness without love. See, my biggest obstacle was, from, my biggest obstacle to God was me. I just thought I wasn't good enough. And if you're honest, you've been there too. Let me, you need to hear something. God never gave up on me, just like He doesn't give up on you. It's time to forgive yourself. It's time for you to fall in love with God again, and even more. Come on, let us pray.